Hello, hello everybody. This is Jess from The Keto Fit, and today we're going to be talking about reintroducing carbs in a healthy way on keto. And I'm going to be having a very special guest to join us here in just a minute, and that is Evie Coop, and she is from The Healthy Parent. And I'm pulling her in right now. She should be on in just a second here. And Evie is another keto coach. Hey, Evie, thanks so much for joining us today. I was just introducing you and letting everybody know um, that we're going to be talking about how to reintroduce carbs on keto and that you are a fellow keto coach and you're over in Belgium, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> and first of all, it is nine o'clock there right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's night right now. It's almost my bedtime, so but I can so, still squeeze alive in. So oh, I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah, it's just so grateful that you've made the time to talk late at night. You've got your little one down, and now you're just here with us, making the time to chat with us today. So I'm really, really grateful to have you. Um, but I was just getting ready to tell um, everybody a little bit about you, but then I would love to have you introduce yourself as well. But I want to just, um, you know praise on you for a couple of minutes here because I love following Evie's content and if you guys are not following her yet she's the dot healthy dot parent and um, she recently did a little bit of a rebrand which we're going to talk about but you used to be um, it's the keto babe and so yeah. I found her through the keto community and um, Evie is awesome at posting great content she does beautiful food shots of recipes it's <laughs> mouth-watering and I love to share her stuff she's also really like into research and she's always experimenting um on herself and i love that because i'm always experimenting on myself as well and a lot of times like she doesn't experiment and i'm like whoa you ate that and this is what happened and then i go try it and, and i feel a little bit better about it like i let you do it first and then i'm like okay i'll, I'll try it too so yeah I, and the thing that i love the most about you evie and we'll talk about this is just that you are willing to change your mind and I think a lot of people nowadays are not willing to change their mind. And it's such an important quality. Like, not that we change our values, but that we're open to um, changing our mind about certain things in light of new evidence. And you're always seeking out new information and new evidence. And one of the things that you've changed your mind a little bit about is carbs. So we're going to be talking about that today. But will you tell us about yourself? How did you first come to eating low carb? Uh, so first of all, thank you for striking my ego so much. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I started out as the keto babe. Um, and then I started reintroducing some carbs um, after I did some experiments. Um, I'm also a keto coach. So for me, it was kind of hard to admit that carbs are not as bad as you would think they are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's been a big change. Um, since I started, I started out uh, on the ketogenic diet, I think it was around three or four years ago. Um, and then I just followed all the rules. Like I started um, eating very high fat, so I would mainly eat bacon and eggs and then a bunch of cheese. And I did eat some, eat some vegetables. Um, but I was mainly following the Dr. Burke method mm -hmm. and that was working out really well for me. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I also didn't go into keto like full on. I started reducing the carbs and then um, after being able to like um, living without bread, <laughs> I started to be like full on keto. Um, but then 
the last couple of months um, we went to um, to Spain and there I started like a little bit experimenting with some foods that they were having there that I didn't have at home um, because sometimes I didn't have like the availability of eating keto and so I would have some orange juice and that's where the whole orange juice obsession started um, because lately I'm having like half a glass of orange juice in the morning um, but before that I was also experimenting with some other carbs like the red lentil pasta and and some other things um so yeah that's lately what i've been doing and changing into my ketogenic lifestyle yeah yeah so even though you have um, made some adjustments to keto you mentioned that before like you were quote unquote following all the rules and subscribing to um you know a certain method which is like people are very focused on like make sure you're getting 75 percent of your calories from fat and you know these specific things, the keto rules, right? So tell us, um, you know, how did that work out for you in your benefit? And then also, as time went on, you know, things can change, because we're constantly growing, we're constantly evolving, your body has changed, your hormones have changed. So what changed that maybe you felt like that was actually um, hindering you, or you weren't feeling your best? Yeah, so in the beginning, I mainly counted carbs. So I would stick to like uh, 25 or 30 grams of carbs in a whole day. And then I just counted that into my calories and then like the fats and the proteins, they were kind of like automatically evened out. Um, But then I noticed like I was eating a lot of fat and I got bloated. Um, So then I had to adjust that or I was eating like a certain vegetables and I got bloated again. And then I had to make adjustments. I had all the problems that you could get on keto, like constipation, um, the bloating. Um, So I had to make adjustments every time because I started feeling my body. It it was like adapting to this new lifestyle. Um, But I was losing weight, but I just had some things that I needed to deal with. Um, So, yeah, that's mainly what I did. Um, and then I, I started introducing more carbs because I was starting to have period problems. Um, it was like a couple of months ago, um, I was really deep into fasting too, um, that I would do like a 48 hour fast or a 36 hour fast, like really hard fasting. And then I did my research and I realized that women's bodies are very sensitive. Like my husband can do like full on hard keto. He can fast however long he wants and he doesn't have any bad effects on it on him but for me for like women we're very sensitive if we go into calorie deficit like for too long um we can start having like period problems or hormones get unbalanced you can have like your your thyroid hormone that is unbalanced um and so i started dealing with that i quit fasting a little bit more i just stick to like two meals a day or like Um, three meals a day so I didn't go like hardcore fasting anymore and then I also introduced the carbs um, and that changed the game for me because I felt different it's hard to explain but when I started introducing the orange juice I don't know it's the vitamin c or just the extra fiber that I got but that was like magic for me I started it in Spain uh, with half a glass and then when I came back I just kept on doing it and I checked constantly with my blood sugar uh, and my ketones. And to my surprise, I'm most of the time I'm still in ketosis. Like even when I eat certain food that I think, yeah, this is going to knock me out of ketosis for sure. 
yeah. I measure and I'm surprised that I'm still in ketosis and my blood sugar is stable. So yeah. for me, mainly it was checking my blood sugar and my ketones and experimenting in that way. Yeah, yeah. And that is so interesting. And I, I love what she's talking about because I see that what she's posting on her stories about what she ate. And then I'm like, what? Like, how is she still in ketosis? You know, because it, it breaks the keto rule, right? Yeah. And so um, that's what I think is so important is that you are really taking the time to see what works best for you. And I, I posted a reel this morning on my page about how um, you don't need to follow the, the right diet. You need to create the diet that's right for you. Um, people tend to get very like religious or like dogmatic about following the rules of a certain diet. But really what it's all about is that you're supposed to be practicing self-care through what you eat. And so it's so important to do what works best for you. And I'm hearing you say that keto worked great for you until it didn't. Like until yeah, you realize exactly. that, oh, this is something's wrong here. I shouldn't be having period problems. So for anybody that's listening in, like, what are some signs if people have been eating keto? What are some signs or maybe even just like experiences that they might be having? Like, oh, I miss I miss certain foods. Like, how can you know if this is right for you versus are there some people who it might not be right for? Um, I think keto is a great way to start because a lot of people are insulin resistant and, and that is due to not only having a high amount of carbs, but also like the processed foods. We, we tend to blame the carbs and we take all the carbs as the same, like the carbs from, from fruits are, are not the same, like the carbs that you're going to get from grain and get from grains and, and other um, derivatives. So I don't think carbs are the devil. Um, and also we like to send like, we hear that carbs are bad, so we cannot eat any carbs. It's not in that way. It's you, carbs. If you eat too many of them, it's going to have a negative effect in your body because it's going to raise your blood sugar. But we need to find that balance in finding, okay, I can have some carbs and I can check for myself um, how many can I have. And the way that I like to do it is to check my blood sugar and see if my blood sugar is stable. Um, then I know the carbs that I'm having um, from that food is good for me. Um, it's a lot of trial and error. It's not... Um, looking into the ketogenic diet and say like these are the rules and then you start into the ketogenic diet and then all of a sudden you feel like deprived from from certain foods that you really wanted and you're like punishing yourself from no i cannot have them mm -hmm. um but in small amounts certain carbs you could totally have them and when you're the majority of your food is from whole foods I personally don't believe that that is a bad thing to do. I think it's worse to have like a low calorie, low carb diet that is mainly consistent of processed foods mm -hmm. um, that is going to have a ne negative effect on your body. And then you can even like eat low carb and have period problems, but then it's not even a problem coming from, from, the, car from the low carb diet, but more from the processed ingredients that are in the, in the food. Yeah. So basically, I'm hearing you say that it's the quality of the food that matters more than like the macronutrient breakdown of the food. And so yeah. we're talking about reintroducing carbs on keto in a healthy way. So for anybody that's tuning in, Evie is not eating a sleeve of Oreos. <laughs> Evie is avoiding gluten still. So, you know, if people are wondering how to reintroduce carbs in a healthy way, what I'm hearing you say is stick to whole foods. 
Yeah, and exactly. Watch your portion sizes and test to see if how is how is your glucose responding and how are your ketones responding, right? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I can have some more carbs than my husband. If we we like to check like uh, with the keto meter, we have it on hand here. We have a bunch of strips, um, and when, when we do like testing, we eat the same meal and then we test separately. And sometimes. I'm still in ketosis and he's bumped out or I have like stable blood sugar and he has like a skyrocketing blood sugar. Um, so it's different for everyone. Also our gut bacteria have an influence on our weight and, and how we look and, and how we process our foods. Um, but I would say mainly stick to whole foods and afterwards test with the test strip because when you have it black and white on a, on a machine, you know exactly how you're doing. So you can eat like a certain food um, I always recommend whole foods and cooking yourself, making your own dishes. Um, and then two hours later, you just check or an hour later, you check your blood glucose and see how you're doing. And if that one is skyrocketing, check mainly the portion, maybe you ate too much of it or um, that food is just not good for you. It's just, it skyrockets your blood sugar and it's better to avoid it. Or if you can have it in small, in small portions, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for somebody who's never done this before, and by the way, I ate keto. Um, it's been eight years now, but I only just started testing my blood sugar within the last year. And so yeah. I just I just followed all the rules and trusted, you know, my body was responding the way hopefully it was supposed to respond. I never actually tested anything. And so you were one of the people that inspired me to start testing this stuff. And I was like, this is so curious. I'm going to do this too. So for somebody that's watching right now, that's like, I have no idea where to begin. So you mentioned a specific device that you like to use. How can people get access to this? How do they know what numbers are normal versus abnormal? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I use the Keto Mojo Meter. This one is a device that you can just buy online. And it comes with uh, two testing strips. So one is for glucose and one is for ketones. And you can also connect it to your um, phone. So you can have all the data over there um, if you want to check how you're doing during the day. Um, so you have one strip that is for glucose and your glucose one hour or like two hours after meal, that one should be between 70 to 100 milligrams per deciliter. If it's over, a little bit over is fine. Like the optimal ranges are 70 to 100. Um, but if it's not over 130 milligrams per deciliter, um, that's totally fine. So that means that your body is well um, uh, adapting to the food that you're eating. Your insulin response is good. You don't have a spike. Um, and then when you check your ketones, is to check if you're in ketosis, if you're actually using fat for fuel or if you're using glucose for fuel. Um, your body can also use both, but this is a great device to check if you're in ketosis. And then your ketone levels um, for nutritional ketosis, you start at 0.5 millimole per liters. Um, and then, you know, you're in nutritional ketosis. You can uh, increase your ketones by eating a little bit more fat, for example, or when you're fasting, um, you get into ketosis a lot faster too. Okay. So, um for people who maybe their blood sugar is going above 130 when they're consuming certain foods, does that mean that they should avoid those foods or adjust the portions or like what should they do if they see that? It kind of depends on where the person is in their journey. If they're already like insulin resistant and they're just starting out on keto and your body is still recovering or healing, 
um, from the highly processed diet that you had before. It could be that your, your glucose levels are a little bit higher than the optimal ranges. Uh, but then it's just like stick to it and go forward and you're going to see that slowly you're going to have to, you're going to uh, get into like lower levels and then you're also going to bump into ketosis because normally when you are getting into ketosis, um, it means that your blood sugar is already stable. So if you have high blood sugar, if it's over 130, chances are high that you're not in ketosis anymore. It bumps you out. So they are kind of evened out. Yeah. Okay, great. So for the average person who's watching this right now, and they're listening to you, they're like, what is insulin resistance? How do I know <laughs> if I have it? What does that mean? Could you give us a little primer? Yeah, sure. I, I always like talk about things and I don't realize that some people never heard about it before. Um, but insulin resistance is mainly when you live on a high processed food diet that is also high in carbs, um, coming from grain, corn, high fructose corn syrup, and all the ingredients that raise your blood sugar um, for a very long time. All of a sudden, um, every time when you eat glucose, like you eat carbs, those are becoming glucose inside your body. And then your pancreas is uh, producing insulin to put the glucose into your cells to then produce energy. But at a certain point, there's going to be too much insulin that is produced because of the high amount of carbs that needs to be put into the cells. Um, and then your cells kind of close them off and there's insulin resistance. So your body cannot use the insulin in an optimal way anymore. Um, and then your blood sugar is going higher and higher and it's hard for you to have like a stable blood sugar. And sometimes people like 10, 20 years later, um, they start having diabetes type two. So that is a consequence of, of being insulin resistant. And I think in the US, I think it's about 80% or 70% of the people are already insulin resistant. So insulin resistance is actually being pre-diabetic. Right. So if, if you're in that condition, the chances are high that at a later stage in life, you can become type 2 diabetic. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So just as a recap, just to make sure that I'm understanding and explaining well for everybody else. So um, when we eat high carb foods, so like bread, rice, pasta, potato chips, processed foods, Taco Bell, all of these things. Yeah. So what happens is our body starts to metabolize that and it sends glucose into our cells. But if our glucose levels get too high, it can be very dangerous. And so we have this hormone called insulin and its job is to usher the blood sugar out of our cells and it actually stores it as fat when we have an abundance of our, our glucose in our cells, right? So yeah. if we're, if we're constantly having our insulin be so high, and this is very, very common on a standard American diet, our body develops an intolerance or a resistance to insulin. And now it's no longer able to do its job effectively. So what are some of the symptoms I know you mentioned, and, and basically, if we don't deal with insulin resistance, it's a precursor to type two diabetes. And most Americans actually do have insulin resistance because of the way that we eat, and we might not know it. So what are some ways that we can actually know whether we're insulin resistant or not? Well, I would um, say check your blood sugar. If um, in the morning, if it's higher than 130, chances are high that you're already insulin resistant because in the morning, your blood sugar should be stable because you haven't eaten any food, hopefully during the night when you were sleeping. Um, so that would be stabilized. If you have high blood sugars in the morning, chances are high that you're insulin resistant. Also, when you have excess weight, um, there's also a 
big chance that you're insulin resistant. So those are the big two markers of insulin resistance. And then also when you go to your doctor and you get a blood test done, um, they do like an A1C. And then that's like the amount of sugar that was in your body, um, so to say, for the past three months. And if that one is high, um, they can also diagnose you with insulin resistance. Yeah, yeah. So I know A1C might be something that people are a little bit more um, familiar with. It's just a, a common blood test that gets run by yeah. your doctor. But it actually is possible that you might have a normal A1C level um, because it's an average of the last three months, but it's not taking into account what, how your body actually responds to certain foods. And so to actually have a blood glucose meter can be very empowering for you to be able to make specific decisions about what foods are working for you and what foods are not working for you. Sometimes it's not enough to just look at your A1C and be like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need to change anything about the way that I eat. Um, if you're curious, um, so you bought yours online, right? Where did you buy it? Um, I got it from the Keto Mojo um, website. You go to ketomojo.com and you find all the information there about the meter, how you need to use it. So you can also get like a recap. It's not like you're going to use a device and it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. You get all the information um, that you need to know um, what your blood glucose ranges should be and how many from which point you get into ketosis. So that is one that you can use. Um, I like this one because it tells you um, if you're in ketosis or not. You can also use like the peeing tricks. But if you're in keto for like a, a long time, after a certain amount of time, you don't have any more results with the, with the peeing sticks. Yeah. Um, so I really like the blood test um, glucose meter. And if you don't like to pinch your finger, like every time you had a meal, you can also get like a continuous glucose monitor, which you can just pinch inside your arm and you connect it with your uh, phone. And then you can just see throughout the whole day, 24 hours, seven days a week for two weeks, um, how your blood sugar is. So that, that's really easy. I tried it before too. And it's really convenient because you just eat something and you don't have to think about, um, I need to, oh, I forgot one hour later or two hours later, I forgot to pinch to check my blood sugar. You can just um, get your phone and you have all the results right there. So yeah. it, I recommend it highly to people that just start out on keto just to see which food am I eating and what is it doing with my blood glucose. And I also recommend it to the people that I see in my husband's office. He's a chiropractor. We have a chiropractic practice. Um, and when he sees people having problems, um, he, he refers them to me if he knows it's a metabolic problem, so I can give them a bit of information. Um, and a lot of people just don't believe that I'm eating bread, I'm eating pasta. How is that going to affect my health or, or how is that going to affect my blood sugar? Or I'm not going to be diabetic in, in so many years, what you're saying. So then I advise them, like, go and check your blood sugar, get this monitor, and I guarantee you, like, one week later, people come to me and, like, you were so right. Like, every time when I eat, like, bread, pasta, pizza, I see my blood sugar. And it's, like, I see people that are in the 200 sometimes that are, are, like, you need to see a doctor because these are not, like, good ranges or, or you need to adjust your diet. Yeah, yeah. So getting a blood glucose meter or sometimes called a blood glucometer it's a great way to empower yourself and to take your health into your own hands a little bit 
And so Evie mentioned two different devices. She uses the Keto Mojo, which is a blood glucose meter where you actually have to prick your finger to get the results. Um, I bought mine on Amazon. So if anybody's interested, you can look up Keto Mojo on Amazon as well. Um, and then also you mentioned a continuous glucose monitor. So this actually just plugs into the back of your arm right here and you leave it on 24 seven. Um, for two weeks, you can um, do you can you can go longer than that, you just have to get another device if you want to keep measuring. And it could be interesting to do this too, for a full month to see how it varies at different times of your menstrual cycle. So what's a brand that you've used for the CGM? I use the Freestyle Libre. Um, That's the one that I got here in Europe. I know that in the US, you have a brand called Levels. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also one that you can use. And then you just pinch it into your arm and connect it with your phone. And it's so easy to use. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't hurt. <laughs> right. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> I, I haven't used the CGM yet, but I would like to. I'm planning to. Um, so Levels is one brand. I know there's another good brand out there called Sensio. So if people are wondering, well, how much is this going to cost me? Um, I'll speak from my perspective. I ordered a Keto Mojo, and I believe it costs about $150 on Amazon. And it comes with an initial pack of strips. I think it's 10 um, strips for glucose and 10 strips for ketones. And then to get like a 50 pack refill for each 50 um, glucose and 50 ketones, I think I paid another $60 to get a refill. Um, So it's not something that you need to test every single day. It's more just running experiments on yourself for how different foods affect you. And, And really like Evie was saying, the best time to test is you can test your fasting in the morning And again, you want to make sure that you're um, around 70, you said, between 70 and 100 fasted. Yep. And then um, two hours after you consume a certain food. So this is called postprandial in the medical world. And so and you want to make sure that you're under 130, ideally, but more ideal is 70 to 100, even even though you just ate some food, you still want to see level um, stable blood sugar. Yeah. So the continuous glucose monitor, I did some research and I think it's about $250 for a two week um, thing. And that's what I found. I don't know about what you found. I paid 80 euros, which is like around 70 something dollars. So wow. Okay. When I researched this, it was almost a year ago. So I bet you that things are changing too, as this is becoming more popular. Um, yeah. Over the summer, I was at a water park and I saw two different ladies with a CGM on the back of their arm. And I wanted to like run up to them and be like, oh, are you doing experiments on yourself? <laughs> but, yeah. So this is a good way to take, um, to actually find out what's working best for you. Because as Evie's saying, um, you know, she recommends for clients to get this as early on in their journey as possible. If somebody's just starting out with keto, you also, you don't have to do this right from the beginning. You can just stick to, you know, basic low carb foods like animal protein. If you're going to include dairy and you you don't have any intolerances, full fat dairy and stick with low carb vegetables. Um, And you're going to see great results with that. But since we're talking about reintroducing carbs in a healthy way, the biggest thing that we're saying here is your results might vary based on who you are. Um, And so it's really important to get personalized information for yourself. So the question that I was trying to hit on was, are there any people who should not do this? And you mentioned one group specifically, which is people who are insulin resistant. Is there anybody else that you would recommend avoids this? What about people who have um, a history with eating disorders or food or sugar addiction, things like that? Um, I think keto is a great baseline. 
if people want to lose weight, you need to start a keto. Just follow the rules. <laughs> so you get a hang of keto, so you understand, okay, this is like a high-carb food, this is a low-carb food, stick to whole foods. Um, if you're just starting out, I don't recommend starting um, with already eating like the, the starchy vegetables and, and the fruits um, because you're trying to get into ketosis and your body is probably not adapted to, to optimize um, uh, carb uh, processing. Like um, for me, I'm insulin resistant after I've been on the ketogenic diet for so long. Um, so insulin sensitive means that you can easily switch fuel sources. Either your body is gonna run on glucose when you have a lot of glucose and you're active. And then when the glucose is um, depleted, you start to go in ketosis and you start to produce ketones. So I would say start with a baseline keto. Um, don't introduce the carbs just yet. Get the hang of ketosis. And then when you feel like I'm getting the hang of this, I have a healthy relationship with this. I do feel like I want to introduce some carbs. Um, I think it's like it's some intuition that I had. Like <laughs> this is, is something that you need to figure out for yourself. Um, then you can introduce the carbs. Um, but I know people like, like you, for example, you love keto and you feel great with keto. You don't have any problems. Like if you don't have the need to introduce carbs and you're doing great on one diet, why should you change it? Um, for me, I did great on keto, um, but I felt like I had that need to introduce some more of the, the fruits. Um, so I did. And sometimes I'm doing great. Other times I need to avoid a certain food. I, I'm still experimenting. Um, but for now, I know which foods are good for me according to my blood results. So yeah. once I get the hang of that, I know, okay, this food is good for me. I don't need to do the blood test anymore, maybe once in a while. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay, so Evie's basically saying, strongly encouraging, that if you're just starting out on keto, that you really need to take some time to just eat a ketogenic diet and let your body adapt to this. So there's a term that we use, it's called keto adapted. And what this means is that your body actually adapts to successfully burning a different fuel source than what it's used to. So especially if you've been eating a standard American diet, a high carb diet, highly processed foods, you are used to using glucose or sugar as your primary fuel source. And so your body is capable of burning two different fuel sources, glucose, or in the absence of carbohydrates, or when we restrict carbohydrates, it will run on fat for fuel. The byproduct of breaking down fat is ketones. That's why it's called um, a ketogenic diet. So ketones are, are a secondary fuel source for your body, and it's, it's the backup fuel source. So over time, it takes a little bit of an adjustment period. That's why people get um, what's called the keto flu symptoms. It takes about three days for your body to switch over from burning glucose to actually burning ketones for fuel. But then even beyond that initial three to five day adjustment period, it can take several weeks for people to become what's called fat adapted. We have a question coming in here, so I'm going to read this here. Um, Telicity Keto, I always tell my customers new to keto to set a goal of 30 to 35 net carbs and reduce as your body gets adjusted so you don't get keto sickness 
as your body adjusts to the burn change. Yeah. So thank you, um, Telicity Keto. You're referencing the keto flu, which is what we're, we're talking about here as we're transitioning over. But even above and beyond that initial keto flu, it can take several weeks for your body to become fat adapted, maybe several months for some people. And so what Evie is saying is that if she tried to introduce high carb foods in the beginning, she might have not been able to do this. It might have spiked her blood glucose way out of control because she was still insulin resistant. So Evie really took the time to heal her body and to become adapted to, to running on both fuel sources. We call this metabolic flexibility. And so when we're saying maybe who should not try to introduce carbs right now, if you're insulin resistant or if you're not fat adapted. So really take that time, you know, at least a few weeks to a few months, um, depending upon your situation, how insulin resistant you are, how much weight you actually have to lose. If you have a significant amount of weight to lose, reintroducing carbs right now is probably not going to be the best thing for you. But as you've been on it for a while, or if you're just starting to get um, that itch of like, I miss certain foods, then, you know, let's try to bring those things back in, but make sure that you're testing to see how your body's responding. I do think it's it's a good comment because um, I've seen um, some people that when they go into like 30, 35 of grams of net carbs, it's still low. You can get into ketosis and sometimes it's like a, a smaller adaption. And sometimes and when you like really lower the carbs and sometimes when people go on a high carb diet and then all of a sudden they go carnivore, for example, it's like a really extremely low. So you're going to have like higher effect. But I do understand that comment because... When I started learning about carbs, I started decreasing it little by little. And then um, I started to going like uh, into ketosis. So I didn't have too much of the keto flu because I didn't have that big transition. Um, but it's also depending from person to person. Some people, they get a keto flu really easy. Other people, they don't, they don't feel anything about it. Yeah, absolutely. So for some people, they do like to taper down, like Evie tapered down. Um, so she started just by eliminating certain food groups and lowering and lowering and lowering her carbs. I was a person who just went cold turkey. <laughs> just instantly one day I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. And then yeah, I got the keto flu symptoms hard. I started this in 2013. I didn't know what keto flu was. Um, I, I was just trying to do Atkins. So I didn't know what was happening. I felt awful. And finally, my body got through it on its own. But now I try to tell my clients ahead of time, like, this is something to expect. This is how you can resolve it, mainly through electrolytes, people. Um, it's an electrolyte imbalance is the reason why you're experiencing it. So make sure that you're getting enough sodium, magnesium, and potassium. Um, uh, you can DM Evie or me. We can recommend you some great brands or just give you, like, a little at-home recipe that you can make as well if you need to supplement with electrolytes. So, okay, so I'm thinking, um, I just want to share from my perspective, because I've been doing some experiments as well. Um, and, you know, my blood sugar sometimes has gone to 140 on trying certain things, um, or I'll just realize that I ate too much of a certain thing. Um, so for example, um, Evie was recommending this red lentil pasta. Yeah. <laughs> and so I tried this. And so I wanted to see what would happen when I was doing this. So I started out very low, like with a fourth cup, you know, and I was fine. And then I tried to bump up, bump up, bump up. And then um, I realized that if I go above one, one cup of it, my blood sugar just goes crazy. 
So yeah. one day I ate about a cup and a half of it and my blood sugar went up to 140 and it really freaked me out a little bit. Not because it, I feel like something bad's going to happen to me, but I felt a little, I felt symptoms. Like I felt a little bit shaky. I felt yeah. a lot of cravings afterwards. I felt a slump. And so, and some of, I've tried this with some fruits and things like that. So certain things are working for Evie that are not working for me. And also, um, you just have to see how you feel. Um, I really actually don't, don't really love how I feel when I um, deviate out of ketosis. So Evie's, Evie's is still staying in ketosis, but sometimes you have deviated out of ketosis. And do you notice a big difference in how you feel? Yeah. Um, when I eat grains, when I eat bread, when I eat pasta or pizza, like the lentil pasta is not really pasta. It doesn't have grains in it. Right. It's made from pure lentils. I usually have like half a cup and I'm okay. If I eat too much, if I eat like more than a cup, I have higher blood sugar too because it's it's a high carb food and sometimes it's the dose that makes the poison. Yeah. Um, but for me mainly when I eat bread, like one hour later, I get like really sleepy, I get the brain fog. And so whenever I eat something with grains, I know my body doesn't like it. I also sometimes get nauseous. Um, my husband is really sensitive to this too. And we go out to have like a, some fast food or not fast food, or we just go to like a restaurant where it's not like 100% clean food like we usually eat. Um, he, he, get, he gets sick and we just throw up at night. It's just a, a party at the toilet at night. Um, so yeah, certain things we just cannot do that our body, it doesn't like it. So your body's gonna tell you if you're doing good or not. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, even if you're not actually having like an intolerance to a certain food or, or throwing up, pay attention to how you feel afterwards. Because for me, it's like a very, um, like a very buzzy feeling almost like because I used to struggle with legitimate like sugar addiction. Um, before I started eating keto, my reality every night was that I would make a high carb dinner. And then I'd be watching TV with my husband and it would not feel optional. It felt like a compulsion in my brain to get up and go get sugar or go get something salty. Now something sweet, something salty, something sweet. And I would eat to the point of feeling bloated and distended and awful. And then I would vow, I'm not going to do this again. You know, today's the last day I'm starting fresh tomorrow. And then I would restrict the whole day because I was trying to like make up for it or compensate. And then I would binge again the next night. So I'm just making space for some people. If you feel like you have had a legitimate sugar addiction and then you start to feel, I call it buzzy. Um, it feels like, like I lose my control a little bit around cravings and I don't like the way that that feels. And so yeah. I like to try to avoid that feeling. I feel safer. I feel more in control um, of my thoughts and um just a better relationship with food when I don't get myself into that buzzy place where I feel like, Oh my God, I want something else now. And then trying to talk myself through, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, like I don't like that feeling. And so some people might feel that and some people might not. And so that can be an act of self care too, is even if you're not actually having um, a negative blood sugar response, or even if it's not kicking you out of ketosis, but if you're just, you're, it's affecting your thought and you're getting that feeling of loss of control, maybe this isn't for you either. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just checking what am I eating? Do I feel like I need to eat more or am I satisfied? Because sometimes people eat a certain keto product that is low carb, but then after one or two bites, it's like, oh no, I need some more. I need some, like some chocolates, for example. Like if you cannot control yourself and if you don't feel satisfied after a certain amount, 
it could be better to even avoid that food and replace it with something else um, because the processed foods for me it was a big difference if I went to Whole Foods um, I was also the person at night that I would go into the fridge and check 10 times what can I eat now to, to curb the cravings um, because I was always like craving something and I could never find what it was I was eating chocolate chips all of the processed foods and it didn't like take away that, that craving. Um, but then when I started eating whole foods, that one went away. So sometimes it's just checking, like, am I eating too many processed foods too? Yeah, yeah. Can you give us any tips on like the actual how to do this? So let's say that we've identified that, you know, um, a sweet potato doesn't really spike my blood sugar too much. This is a safe food for me after I've done some experimentation. Like, is there a certain order in which I should be eating the foods on my plate? Should I save carbs for a certain time of day? Like any concrete tips that you can give us? I always recommend to eat the protein last and the vegetables first because the protein, it turns off the hunger hormones. Mm -hmm. um, and when you eat your protein first and you still want to get your vegetables in to get your vitamins, minerals, and your extra vitamins, um, it's going to be hard because I used to like eat my meats first because that's what I love to eat. And then I was like, let me just leave these vegetables. And then I missed out on like the good vitamins and fiber. Um, so I would always recommend like eat your vegetables first, like a salad. Um, and then have your, your carb or like um, a cooked vegetable. Um, I like to eat on the side like um, some cauliflower rice or some steamed vegetables. Um, and then I would also have the meat at last. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So eat the carbs first if you're going to be doing that, right? Because um, you want to end with your protein because that's what's going to send the signals to your brain that you're actually satisfied. And so the reason why we keep eating is because we don't have that signal going to our brains that I feel satisfied. Instead, you feel like I want something more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. When you're eating steak, your brain tells you when you're full. Like you, you don't feel like, oh, I just want another bite of steak. Like it literally <laughs> just feels like, okay, I'm done now. Um, but definitely with like, even um, low carb vegetables, you know, like some nice bacon Brussels sprouts or something, you feel like, I could eat another serving of that, you know, and you want to yeah. keep piling it on. But if you save the protein for last, so that's a really great tip. Um, also, I've heard um, no naked carbs. Can you explain to us what that means? Naked carbs as in? So meaning like don't eat carbs just by themselves. You always want to pair it with a fat. Do you recommend uh, that? Yeah, I always recommend to have like a, the full spectrum, like some carbs, some protein and some fat because they kind of work together. Um, and your your protein if you eat too much protein i would also um recommend not to eating too much protein because that one can also be turned into glucose so if you're struggling with that just eat like a moderate amount of protein and i know it's going on my in my voice um, no, it's okay it's nine o'clock at night <laughs> yeah it's tired um but yeah, always combine a good source of protein with some healthy fats. The fats are also really important. Um, like stick to avocado oil, extra virgin oil, some ghee, some real butter, some duck fat, some uh, bison fat. It's also good. And stay away from the vegetable oils because those are inflammatory. And when your body is inflamed, you're in a state of stress. And it's going to be really hard to lose weight too because when your body is in a stress state, it doesn't want to let go of the fat because it needs the stored fat um, to fight the inflammation. 
Yeah, definitely. That's a big um, reason why a lot of people that are on keto are experiencing stalls because they're not losing weight because your body is still inflamed because of the types of keto foods that you are eating. So even though these fats like um, soybean oil or canola oil, vegetable oil, things like that are zero carbs, they're highly inflammatory. And so your body is not going to allow itself to release that weight and heal your hormones as long as your body is inflamed. So it's not just about um, the macronutrient breakdown. So it's not just about eating low carb, it's actually the quality of the foods too. Same thing can be true with a lot of these highly processed keto products. They can be very inflammatory with the ingredients. Um, one of the first things that I work on with clients is coffee. So many people are drinking these sugar-free creamers like Coffee Mate, International Delay. These things are so inflammatory. Never mind the fact that the carbs can add up because I don't know about you, but I used to do a heavy pour of that stuff and like two tablespoons is like two carbs. So that could add up for the carbs, but also it's just the funky ingredients are keeping you inflamed. Yeah, exactly. Like the syrups that they put in uh, Starbucks, they're sugar-free, but it comes with a lot of like 30 something other ingredients and flavors that your body, it just doesn't like it. It's a, it's a foreign um, invader kind of, and your body is going to produce inflammation to fight that ingredient because it's not natural, something chemical that your body doesn't like. And it's better to just when you want to have like some sweetness in your coffee, put in some stevia or some monk fruit or some erythritol. Uh, if you want to introduce some carbs, you can put in some uh, coconut sugar or some maple syrup or some honey. Um, but if you're going to introduce the carbs, always take your blood sugar after. Yeah. Definitely. And so, um, you know, with Evie drinking her orange juice in the morning, you guys, she is also consuming bacon and eggs with that. So yeah. she's getting her protein and she's getting her fat at the same time that she's bringing in the carbs. So that's probably greatly buffering her blood sugar response. Yeah, exactly. If I would eat only just the orange juice, I should just, I should like test it to see how it's going. Maybe I'm going to do that tomorrow. Just drink like half a glass of orange juice and then check two hours later how it's going. Um, but yeah, if I have like a carb, it's always it's always paired with protein. I don't have carbs, just um, like one piece of fruit and, and that's it. No, I always combine it in a full meal. Yeah, that's the saying in the keto space is no naked carbs. That's what it means. Don't eat carbs just by themselves. Um, you kind of like put, put clothing on the carbs, like by yeah. buffering the response, you clothe it with some fat and some protein. Yeah. yeah. So I want to ask you about your... Um, rebrand to becoming the healthy parent instead of just uh it's the keto babe so you're still a keto coach but what's your focus on more now i'm still a keto coach i still help people um, mainly in the chiropractic practice right now um it's easy my husband refers them to me um and i get to help them and i receive great results together with chiropractic in a holistic way um, and I, on my social media, I started rebranding to the healthy parent um, because I was introducing more carbs and I got a lot of people DMing me like, what's going on? This is not keto. What are you doing? This is not the keto rules. I'm so confused. Um, so I started thinking like, why am I calling this like the keto babe while I'm still eating like carbs um, and it's not according to the keto rules? And then I was thinking a little bit further and say, why am I on this diet even? And it was like mainly about health. Like in these times, health is really precious. Um, so it's something that is really important to me. Um, and as a, 
I mainly started my journey when I became a mom, when I became pregnant. Um, then I said like, okay, this is a time for me to be healthy, to have a healthy child, because I was now responsible for another life. And that really hit me. So then I started my health journey and it hasn't stopped ever since. So that's why I'm now the healthy parent. And I also advise moms um, with busy lifestyles on how to still get be healthy. Um, and I also started up a blog where I share my recipes, where I also will be sharing some mom life um, compared with a healthy lifestyle because there's a lot of pressure on women, especially working moms or stay-at-home moms. Like being a mom, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a full-time job. And when you're also going to work, when you come home, it never ends. And then to still be healthy or stick to a certain diet, sometimes it can be really hard because you're just tired and you don't feel like cooking. And, and you just want to grab a bag of chips and just have a quick dinner and, and just lay on the couch exhausted. So... I'm going to share more about that on how to have some easy recipes. If you want to have like a family meal, how you can make some other recipes. And it's combined um, with paleo, which is like the paleolithic diet, which is based on a diet that we supposedly had as humans um, so many years ago when we were still cavemen. So it doesn't include any dairy. Um, it also doesn't include any grains. It's, um, it does include everything keto except for the dairy and um, some fruits and some starchy vegetables, um, but also mainly no sugar, but I do add in some coconut sugar or like honey, that's also allowed. So I'm calling this like um, kind of the pedo diet. It's a combination of keto and paleo, where I still um, eat some paleo allowed foods um, compared with like low carb keto diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely there's a lot of overlap between keto and paleo. And that can be a question that people um, tend to ask because it, it can be confusing. And all of that kind of falls underneath the umbrella of what we would call ancestral eating. Um, yeah. So the way our ancestors ate, so this could be keto, paleo, um, primal. So there's a lot of different words for it. Um, but the keto, it's interesting because there's like a quote unquote keto diet that now exists in mainstream culture. But what's important is that keto is not a diet, it's a metabolic state. So ketosis is a metabolic state. And even though Evie is no longer following all the time the conventional rules of the keto diet as we know it, she is still keto because she is in ketosis. So <laughs> you, can't, you can't say that somebody's not keto if they're actually in ketosis, right? Yeah. So you're, you're still definitely keto. She's still an awesome keto coach. Um, I wanna ask you about parenting and how your daughter eats and how your husband eats. Um, when you first started keto, did you immediately try to make changes um, for them as well to try to influence changes for them? Um, what does it look like with your daughter going to school? Tell us a little bit about about your husband and your daughter and how they eat with you. So my husband and daughter eat the same as me. <laughs> um, I, I'm the cook here at home. I, I make all the food sometimes when I'm lucky. My husband makes a meal. Um, but he works a lot, so at home, he sometimes prepares his own dinner. Um, but most of the time, I cook for me and my daughter. Um, and we eat a mostly ketogenic diet um, for a very long time. When, in the beginning, when she was a baby, uh, it was like lower on carbs. Uh, but then when she was like a toddler, we started with a ketogenic diet. And 
So we, we, we cut out the bread and all the things that like she didn't have the conventional milk at night. And we gave her like some almond milk and we added in some um, omega-3 fish oil. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to live in the society with, when you want to live in a ketogenic lifestyle um, and also involve your children. Um, because now in school, um, I just told her that she's allergic to gluten. I, <laughs> I made a little lie because they were giving like a lot of cookies and bread and, and now we just give her the cookies and say like, these are her cookies, um, which are gluten-free and they're still kind of processed, but they're really clean ingredients. I shared about it last, um, last week, I think, um, in my story. And she has these cookies. It's from a brand called Good Brand. It's a brand here in Belgium. Um, and they're mainly made from like uh, some natural sugar, uh, no flour, and uh, some potato starch. Um, so all natural ingredients, no glucose syrup, no high fructose corn syrup or, or anything like that. Um, and she likes it. She, she likes to eat in this way. Sometimes it's hard with the vegetables. But I just get some vegetable juice that I make myself at home. So she gets the vegetables in. But she's a meat eater. She loves to eat meat. Um, she's like the chicken drumsticks, even steak. She loves it. She's more like carnivore. If I let her choose what she wants to eat, she just eats like sweets and meats. Like she would eat a steak with a little <laughs> bit of grapes. And that's what she likes to eat. And my husband, he's like kind of diehard keto. He, he really loves the ketogenic diet. He would at night eat just like a steak with, with some salad. Um, that's what he mainly eats at night. And then for lunch, we have the leftovers that I make for dinner at night for me and my daughter. So that's kind of how we manage um, the ketogenic diet in our family. Okay. So um, what, would you, what advice would you give to a mom who maybe doesn't have the same support from the spouse that you did um and but you want to change your child's diet but you're meeting some resistance either from your spouse or mother mother-in-law you know other well-meaning people are just like i don't know if you should do that that sounds dangerous whatever like and now you're in, you're a little bit insecure or you're scared of making waves so what advice would you give to somebody yeah it's really hard um these days um Apparently, when you eat a steak, it's even more unhealthy than when you eat a processed food that is full of sugar. Um, but I would just have a conversation with them and, and say, like, this is how I raise my child. I just explain them about um, the ketogenic diet and, and how it works. So they have, like, a kind of understanding of why I'm doing this. It's not just, like, I'm doing this, you deal with it. Um, <laughs> Uh, or I'm not going to go and be like a, a violent, like, just leave me alone. This is what I'm doing. I just explain them what it is. And yeah, they can even, 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 they can agree or not. And then I, when I have to deal with my husband, I am very lucky that he's on the same side. But when you don't have that support, it can be really hard. Then I would say, like, find your community or like when you have a coach, that's also a great way to start. So you have someone to turn to when, when you have like a hard time, you just like one text away and, and you get motivated again. Um, and then, yeah, mainly like find ways that you can kind of make your husband 
or his spouse eat keto without him knowing. Um, <laughs> like I explained this to my um, dad's girlfriend and now she, my dad is eating like ketogenic diet sometimes just because she's making ketogenic dinners and he doesn't even realize it's keto. So that's also a way to handle that. Um, but yeah, when you're in a family and your spouse is not supportive, it can be hard, but it's not impossible. You just need to sit down, have a conversation and say like, okay, this is what I want. Um, where can we meet middle ground? What is What, what are you willing to change? Um, and how can I adapt to that? And, and yeah, sometimes you need to just have a hard conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'll share as well. My husband does not eat keto. Um, my daughter does not eat keto in the sense that she's probably not in ketosis, but we do try to stick with whole foods with her as much as possible. Um, and sometimes it's usually not when it's just a normal day. My husband is fine with the normal day-to-day -day things, but like when we go see Nana and Papa or when we're on vacation and, you know, he wants to give her a sugary treat, um, I usually try to give a little bit of pushback. I'm like, mm, I don't, I really don't want to do that. And what would happen is he would be like, oh, come on, you know, let her live a little, you know, whatever it might be, like, let her enjoy life, you know, not everybody has to do things the way that you do. And so I would say, okay, let's run an experiment and see, pay attention to her behavior. And that is what has convinced him the most is actually, yeah. I just would allow it. And I would say, okay, on the condition that we both pay attention to how this actually affects her, because every time we let her have a lot of sugar, um, you know, she just doesn't listen as well. She gets really grumpy. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't, she doesn't want to go to sleep, you know, like <laughs> it, it, you can see a marked difference in it. And honestly, that had convinced him way more than me trying to send him any kind of articles about it. He would just roll his eyes. Yeah. Like if I would be like, let me show you some research, blah, 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 blah. But you know, it's, it's very personal. It's very customized. And one thing that's most likely for sure is that your partner is on the same page with you in terms of loving your child above all else. And so it can be a really valuable thing to sometimes, um, you know, back down a little bit and just allow the experiment to happen and, and let, let the evidence prove itself. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm the one that says like, come on, let her have it because you want to see your child happy. And sometimes you go to like an amusement park and they sell some ice creams with her favorite character on it. Yeah. And you kind of know as a parent, okay, I don't want to really do this, but then you see your child lighting up and then it's like, am I really going to deprive her from that? And right. then you just say, okay, she can have one treat, but then the rest of the day, we're just keeping a keto. How are we keeping healthy whole foods? Um, and we're not going to let this ruin our day. Like yeah. you can control the damage. Um, yeah. It would be another thing to say, like we're going to the amusement park and you can eat whatever you want, the ice cream, the, the candy canes and, and all the sweets. Um, so when you're out with your spouse and you don't want to deprive your child from the social environment that they're growing up in, I would allow her to have like one ice cream that is maybe unhealthy. Um, it's not going to cause as much damage as because most of the time she's eating a healthy, balanced diet. Yeah. Yeah. Totally on the same page. We went to Disney recently and we, so we were on vacation and we did the same thing. We both agreed just like one treat per day. The rest of the time we're sticking to fruits and vegetables and protein. Um, but, you know, a couple of months, months back, we took our very first trip by ourselves 
um, on a vacation since my daughter had been born. And we left my daughter with Nana and Papa for almost a week. And so that was that had to be a conversation where I had to be on the same page with my husband, like, okay, you know, even though she's not going to be quote, unquote, our problem, right? I still very much care about how she's going to yeah. feel every single day. So we can't just tell Nana and Papa, it's okay for her to eat whatever you guys want to give her all day, because they would just spoil her and like <laughs> let her drink soda and just everything so you know we had done enough experiments and I had the social proof with my husband that he was like okay you're right I'm gonna have a conversation with my parents and say this is how we want her to eat baseline one treat per day and they respected that yeah yeah and most of the time is just like um the ketogenic diet is simple but the the dealing with the people around you is what makes it hard yeah. If you if you're really supported um, and you can support each other, it's going a lot easier um, than when you're on your own. That's why a keto coach is really helpful, or a friend in your tribe or your community. Um, so if if you're in the situation where you you're a parent and you want to have your child healthy, it's finding a support group or um, someone that is like-minded. Because if you're constantly battling against someone that is not agreeing with um, how you raise your child, it, it can be hard and it's easier for you to give up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So um, just because you feel like you don't have the support of the person that you wish you had support from, you can still find support in your life through a coach, through a Facebook community, through listening to podcasts. Um, things like that. So support is out there. And um, speaking of support, Evie, so you're a keto coach. And I would love for people to know how to find you, how to work with you. So tell us a little bit about where people can connect with you. Yeah, yeah. so you can find me on www.theketobabe.com. And there you can find all the information on my keto, the pricing, how I work, um, and even some ketogenic recipes you can find there if you want to have a head start. Um, and I work one-on-one -on -one with clients, um, mainly through the internet. I have clients all over the world. Um, and you can just contact me through my contact form and then I just reply to you. And then we start our first session. Yeah, awesome. So everybody make sure that you follow Katie, she, uh, follow Evie. She's uh, the.healthy.parent. And you also have um, a Facebook page, right? Um, I have two Facebook pages. I have, um, it's the Keto Babe, and I have the Healthy Parent. Okay, awesome. So you guys can look that up as well. So I'm just going to recap before we um, wrap up for today. So on the topic of how to reintroduce healthy carbs um, on keto. So you want to make sure, first of all, that you are not insulin resistant. So you want to actually give the traditional keto diet a good fair shake, get yourself keto adapted, go, you know, a few weeks to a few months, depending upon how overweight you are. And you can then if you want to start reintroducing carbs in a healthy way by focusing on whole foods, first of all. Um, being mindful of the portion sizes, because as Evie told us, the dose makes the poison. So it's not necessarily that it's carbs in general, it's how much carbs you just flooded into your system. So no naked carbs. So don't just eat carbs by themselves. Don't just eat a banana by itself, you know, have half a banana with some bacon and eggs, because you're going to buffer your blood sugar response by pairing your carbs with protein and with fat. Um, make sure that you actually test your blood sugar. So we're recommending to people that you can take this information into your own hands by getting a blood glucose meter. We talked about um, 
the Keto Mojo that you can buy through their website. You can also buy it on Amazon. And I'm sure there's other blood glucose meters out there um, that you can do your research online. There's also the option of doing a continuous glucose monitor or a CGM. And then you can just stick that in your arm once and go for two weeks and see how everything is affecting it. It syncs with your phone. It's very cool. Um, pay attention to how you physically feel after you're consuming certain foods because you might have an individual intolerance to that certain food. Um, that other people don't. So sometimes Evie and her husband can eat the same thing and then he winds up puking later and she's fine, right? So pay attention to how you physically feel. Are you feeling bloated? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling, um, you know, any kind of allergic reaction? So pay attention to how you physically feel and then also pay attention to how you um, mentally feel. So if you're feeling um, a loss of control or cravings or your thoughts are feeling a little bit disordered, um, just pay attention to that as well. And so these are ways of taking all this into consideration that it's totally possible to reintroduce carbs in a healthy way on keto. And Evie is living proof of it because remember, keto is not a certain food or not. It's not a list of approved foods. It's a metabolic state. And you can actually, that's the cool thing about keto that I really love is that you can actually get that exact data feedback um, by testing your blood sugar and testing your ketones. Yeah, Evie, exactly. is there anything else that we missed that you want to leave us with today? Um, no, I think you covered it really well. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you can go get a good night's sleep and rest your voice. Thank you so <laughs> much you guys, for inviting me. Absolutely. And if you guys have any questions about this afterwards, feel free to reach out to either me or Evie on um, here on Instagram. I'm at the keto fit. And then Evie is the dot healthy dot parent. And we would be totally happy to answer any follow up questions that you might have. All right. Thanks, everybody for tuning in. Take care. Have a great week, Evie. Bye. Bye. Bye.